What's happening, everybody? This is Tyler Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have head coach of Milken, Milken Community School? Milken Community School. Okay, I was right. Milken Community School, uh, the director of HBT. That means hard week beat, a hard week. Hard work beats talent. Um, Mr. Thomas Blunt. How you doing, sir? What's up, T? Yeah, thank doing, you. Man? Thank you for coming to the show, my brother. Here at Elevate Your Game, we just try to inspire the community, give back to the basketball culture, talking through our experiences, and uh, give advice to the coaches, par parents, players, or whoever it is that's seeking advice. So mm -hmm. hopefully, no, I know we're going to learn from your amazing experience as a player, coach, and uh, dad now, and, mm -hmm. you know, business owner. And so thanks for coming to the show, brother. Oh, my we pleasure. We love to start it off with the Wall of Hoop movies. Your favorite movie and why? Oh, man. This is a tough one, but I got to go with uh, with Blue Chips. Mm. I got to go with Blue Chips. Um, definitely was a fan of uh, Anthony Hardaway. I think he was one of my, you know, Magic being my, my favorite player of all times. And then um, finding a new player after, you know, after Magic retired, Penny was was definitely a fan of Penny and Shaq so to see them um, to see them on a the big screen and um, you know I feel like that's like the that was like the first movie that really showed you what goes on with high school uh, yeah. athletes being you know recruited and and pampered on their way to college so. absolutely so what what are you asking for uh, if you was in that movie what are you taking to get you to go <laughs> look you want a tractor? What you trying to get? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I probably would have had to go with the house for 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 my parents, and a and a nice car for me. There we go. Yeah. Hey, the, the house and the whip. That, that's the Penny Hardaway package, right? That's the mm -hmm. Penny Hardaway Penny package. Penny Hardaway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's dope, man. I think that that movie uh, exposed a little bit about the basketball culture that mm -hmm. not everybody knew about at the time, but you know, other people did, and. Um, now that we have NIL, it's all for free. Like that movie was, it don't even matter anymore. Mm -hmm. So they can actually get you those things. So it's crazy how the world turns and how basketball changes. So yeah, absolutely. So um, first question, well, I guess second question now. First question about you specifically, when did you fall in love with basketball? Um, oh man, I, I want to say like five, six. Um, I found myself just at the park um, watching guys, you know, play, play at the park. And of course they wouldn't let me on, but I would just dribble the whole time and watch them and just dribble around. And, um, that's really where I fell in love with it. And then, you know, being from LA and, and watching the Lakers and, um, being a big fan of magic, uh, magic just made basketball seem so happy. Yeah. You know, so. Mm. Now he always did play with a smile. That's, that's pretty, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. No, he does make it exciting and, and fun to watch. And he played an exciting brand of basketball. So you came up during the Showtime Lakers period. Um, I don't know if any of you guys seen uh, Thomas Hoop, but uh, he tries to be like Magic, but he just doesn't do the passing part. <laughs> he just shoots. But he definitely is smiling while he's doing it. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun, man. He's a, he's a bucket. Um, so grew up in L.A. Um, what was your experience like growing up in L.A.? during the Showtime Lakers and, and um, you know, coming up and you went to Palisades High, correct? Mm -hmm. So yeah, what was that experience like? Um, it was, um, you know, growing up, I, I grew up in South Central, so there was a lot of uh, just, you know, extracurricular activities going on that um, basketball just kind of took me away from and just gave me, um, 
just gave me something to like really look forward to. So I, you know, I slept with a basketball. I kept a basketball in my hand. If you ever see me, saw me walking down the street with the basketball, and you know, <laughs> there you go, man. You know, <laughs> just kept got you know, I, yeah. I, got, I got to wear what I wanted to wear because I had this in my hand. Didn't wow. have to necessarily worry about, you know. So yeah. So was there a, a pass? Um, so you know, these are things that we could talk about in this show because I think it's important, especially in landscaping. L.A. basketball mm-hmm. is being an athlete in L.A. Uh, gangs and things like that gave you a pass sometimes. So what what was that like and and how, you know, how did you even understand that at an early age? Well, it gave me a pass in my neighborhood, not in anybody else's. Okay. Um, But just, you know, being able to, you know, I had family members who, who, um, who were in that line and, um, you know, went forward to do that. But at the same time, they made sure that I did not so when they saw that I had something that I enjoyed, they they pushed it on me and made sure I I, I kept that in hand. Um, but yeah, just being able to navigate and knowing where you're going in LA is um, it's, it's a big deal. Um, but sports definitely, um, you know, whether you were a gang member or not, you know, you still have a, a, a sense of um, you still feel a sense of responsibility for your community. And you know, when you see some of the youth that are you know, going one way rather than the other, you know, um, they tend to give you a pass. So um, I definitely had a pass, but I also had a brother. Ah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he helped with that pass. So, yeah. Um, awesome. And so when uh, coming up, was AAU big? Did you play AAU basketball yourself or was, when did it get serious as far as the competition in basketball? Um, I think I started to play in my first league at 11. 11 years old and um, from then on like 12 I um, I, I played AAU um, I, I don't necessarily remember um, AAU being as serious um, for me but just a, um, a means of um, being able to play organized yeah. right so um, I think I floated between a, a, a couple of teams um, uh, Santa Monica Cougars and, and um, Westside Blazers um, so I would, you know, you kind of tend to go where your friends are. Yeah. Um, but nowadays it's, it's intense, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's super intense playing AAU basketball, uh, back then you were getting yelled at a lot. Um, not necessarily, um, understanding what you're being screamed at for. Mm-hmm, right. Um, so, you know, as a, as a coach today, I kind of take those, um, I kind of take those things and remember, um, you know, what's going to reach the kid and what's not going to reach the kid. So, um, you know, yelling doesn't necessarily equate to um, them understanding. You know, for example, like, you know, a kid makes a mistake, you yell at them, you put everybody on the line. Yeah. Um, And once they get on the line, you know, are they they taking advantage of, hey, this is getting me in more shape? Right. Or are they spending the time running mad at you? Because mm-hmm. I think we all got yelled at in our household, so when another person yelled at us, it was like, in, in our head, we cussing you out. Right. You know? So um, just being able to, you know, get on a kid today and put them on the line, but get them in the right mindset for, you know, for them to take full advantage of, you know, of the running and understanding their mistakes. No, that's a good point. I never really thought of it from that take. I just say, hey, we were, it was just a little tougher for us growing up. We, we got yelled at, everybody yelled at us, but because we got yelled at at home as well. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, um, a concept of gentle parenting, which wasn't around, um, I want to say, especially for the black community, <laughs> there wasn't no gentle parenting because they were mm-hmm. preparing us for something bigger than 
just our childhood, I right. think, and, and the, the toughness that we may have dealt with growing up. But that is a, a interesting concept. And I seen that, that like, hey, when I talk to certain kids this way, they fold. Mm -hmm. um, didn't compare it to, you know, hey, I'm used to it happening at home. So when a coach yells at me, me man, my, one of my coaches had the worst breath. And so I make sure I always have gum. That's another thing. <laughs> make sure y'all have gum when you talk to these kids. But that was the difference with his yelling. Like, I ain't like to yell that behind him because it was halitosis happening. It was, it was so, hot. <laughs> it was hot, bro. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's dope. So when did you notice that um, you were good at basketball? I always felt like I was good. Um, you know, it was uh, – I, I, played, I played so much. You know, mm -hmm. even, you know, just thinking back being in elementary school and, you know, um, you would go and check out a piece of equipment to go and play with. And I was always checking out a basketball and mm -hmm. going by myself and form shooting and working on things that I saw on TV. There was no trainers. I was. I said, yeah, how did, how did you develop? Is that did you have somebody showing you how to form shoot or where did that come from? Never. It just wow. literally came from me watching the game, um, going outside, trying to emulate, you know, um, whose shot looks nice, um, and just just being like a student and watching the game and, you know, take a cross, a cross of a move, I'm going outside, I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, um, I see someone who's a good shooter, you know, I'm, I'm keyed in and watching um, their shooting form and different things like that, and I would take that and go outside and, and, and work on it a lot. That comes up a lot on this show, all the coaches and players out um, we speak with is that emulation, right? You don't see that now. They do, but they're emulating the wrong parts of the game almost. They're doing the the super advanced footwork moves that isn't translatable to the fundamentals of the game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I like to encourage kids to do that. Hey, watch some film and do the, the good, the fundamental part the right way. So mm -hmm. I think that needs to be kind of put back into the culture and, and just little games like to explore your creativity with the game. So I had kids playing 21 the other day. One of them literally did not know how to play 21. Not 3-2-1, it's playing 3-2-1, huh? What is that? 3-2-1 is, um, is like the ball, you know, as soon as you get the ball, you, you know, have three seconds you have to three shoot. seconds oh, to shoot it. Gracious. So, I mean, it's every time I see kids playing that game, I'm like, nope, <laughs> either stop that game or you guys right. get out, get out yes. the gym. No, 20, our old school 21, 21. check up. Free throws. Yeah. You Anybody get, could guard you. You could get doubled. Yeah, say you yes. Can, somebody is if some if you go to the basket and you like and you don't step up and help, you're like, yo, like, yeah, yeah, right. Block that. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that man, I'm bringing that all the way back just with the development, with the training, so kids can have some freedom and creativity. We're doing so much structural training. We're teaching them, and it's great for technique and skill, but they're losing their creativity and their confidence mm -hmm. of who they are, who how they feel a move and stuff like that. So yeah. trying to add that stuff back in, but it, it all is connected to that emulation of the other players that we used to look up to growing up. So everybody thinks they can dribble 15, 20 times to get a move off. Yeah. Um, you know, we grew up, we, you know, it's two, it's, you get two dribbles. Yep. Easy. Two dribbles to get and That's how we play one-on-one. -on -one. We play two dribble one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. You exactly. can't get the basket in that. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Absolutely. So, uh, high school experience. So, did you start at Palisades, finished at Palisades? What was your um, high school journey like? I actually, um, my 10th grade, I graduated middle school, ninth grade. I think that was like the last year uh, before it turned to, you go from 8th grade to high school and ninth grade. 
Oh, so you um, went from ninth and so then went to that. Okay. It was my last year of uh, junior high, middle school. Um, and then my dad uh, moved to Minneapolis. Um, so I spent my sophomore year in Minneapolis and then um, came back to Palisades and, um, you know, went through some different things there. Loved it because that's, that's where all my friends were. But basketball-wise, um, it wasn't a, the best. It wasn't the best place to be. Um, so senior year, I ended up leaving and um, moving with my mom. Um, out to Rosemead High School, and I finished there. I didn't play. Okay. Um, I finished there. I just uh, really just worked out, um, changed my body, grew grew four inches, grew grew four wow. to five inches. Um, so you didn't play your senior year. That's crazy. I didn't play my senior year. Wow. Um, and grew, and that's when you had your growth spurt. That's that, when I had my growth spurt. When everybody has that like moment of I'm a hooper now, <laughs> like I'm a real hooper, and your yeah. body catches up. Yeah. All right. And so what happened after high school? Then you graduated. Um, I graduated. Um, I was supposed to go to Grambling, which um, that's where my dad's alumni from. So I went back to Minnesota, and he was going to take me down to school. Um, but my year of being in high school, I still have some friends there. And um, one of my friends was playing at Minneapolis Community College. And um, I wasn't necessarily keen on going to school in Louisiana, um, but I knew I had to, get, I had to get out of my mom's house, <laughs> basically. Um, so I um, ended up going there and speaking with the coaches. and. Um, Ended up staying there. I think I was uh, six five then, um, so I went from six feet to six right. five. So I was a, um, played every position in, in, in junior college and um, stayed there for for those two years. Okay, and then after that, what was, so let me ask this: Was junior college? What was junior college like? Talk about that experience. Cause I don't think enough kids. First off, kids think junior college is like like you failed in life, and that's not necessarily <laughs> the case at all, right? No, not at all. Because you know, we're going to fast forward through your story a little bit. You end up playing pro for eight years and making money playing basketball. So obviously things worked out for you and you didn't play. You moved, it seemed like every year in high school, didn't play your senior year, ended up in junior college and still had success through basketball. So that's, you know, kudos to you for that. In junior college, what was that experience like, especially in the Midwest? Is that something that you should, you know, would you tell a kid, prefer them to do? Um, I would definitely, especially coming from from the West Coast here, um, I think when you start to move uh, east a little bit, um, it starts to uh, a, a junior college starts to feel more like you are actually at a four year. Yeah. You're away from home. You're away from doing things. And it was, it was probably it was one of the best two years I've ever had basketball wise. And I'm, I don't mean just through success, but um, through the friendships I made. Um, I started five. We were so close. Um, I think um, in two years we lost four games. Dang. Um, so we had a really good team, really close knit. So y'all made it to Hutch. Y'all made it to the Nationals um, and all that. Or? We we lost in our state um, in the state finals to to get there. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I was in foul trouble. And, well, you need that still haunts, that still haunts me <laughs> to this day. <laughs> So junior college, um, who, do you remember, so as far as development goes, things that you teach or are there things that you learned in junior college that you still teach to this day? Um, yeah, so um, to even get a uniform and get on the team, we would have to do what we call 10 and 30. Um, so it's, um, it's 10 suicides. You have to make each one of them in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you run a suicide, you have to make it in 30. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'm sorry, it was 10 and 32 then. I shaved two seconds yeah, off. Yeah, I was like, hold up. I shaved, I shaved two seconds <laughs> off when I started coaching. 
<laughs> it's 10 and 30s now, but you know, you have to make you have to make that suicide in, in 32 seconds, then you get 32 second rest while the other group goes. Mm -hmm. And you you know, you can even make the team without without making those. Yeah. So um, my first year doing that, I was took me like today that's called corporal punishment. You cannot do that to you kids. You cannot do that to kids. <laughs> <laughs> they allergic to suicide. Like, I don't even think you could use that name anymore. Right, I'm trying to figure out a new name for we, that. Let me know we, if you we, find one. Wow, man. At Heritage, we did not call them suicides. We called them something else. Uh, man, we called them something like, else. I cringe I every time I Yeah, yeah, because it's different. It, it has yeah. a different, definite, different meaning now. Um, I forgot what we call them. So we call them something else, though. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm a coach in years, so I can't I'm remember. Think but, I'm going to have to think of another name. Yeah, else, yeah. yeah runners or something yeah. like that. It was something like that. But, um, okay, so, yeah, so some, some conditioning. Yeah, junior college conditioning is even different than, like, four-year university conditioning. Mm -hmm. It is. I remember hell week for us in junior college was just wake up at 5 a.m. Wake up at 5 a.m. We had to run three miles, plus we are doing our – uh, speed and agility plus we had a full practice plus we had cardio after like man it was serious in class, in and then class yes you had to do that as well <laughs> and but i was in the best shape of my life yeah. man i look like a gi joe yeah. and i was windmilling like crazy so yeah. it was pay, definite definite payoff uh to all that man i miss i miss them days almost i ain't going back but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh the all right, so from junior college, so what happened after that? How is the recruitment going and, and your opportunities after junior college? Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to get into all that, Todd, but... Uh, <laughs> we got to. Um, we got to let them know. My, my recruiting was a, was a little different. Um, I, I played for a coach who was... Um, um, we're, we're in very good standings now, but back then, um, I felt like he had something against me. Mm. And um, so, um, as far as recruiting goes, I end up going where I felt, um, where I thought I would feel comfortable, rather than where I should have went. Mm. Um, well, I have to go back, and you guys are cool now, because this is the part of the show where I think people need to hear, because I think there's a lot of kids in this situation. Why did you feel like the coach did not like you? What was it exactly? And now, you know, hindsight. What do you see that situation really being? Um, I, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of college coaches um, um, have a certain way um, with um, certain kids who come in with a certain type of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think my, my coach wanted to break my confidence down and spoon feed it to me. And I had a problem with that. Um, you know, I had my dad in my life. He's he's already done that. To, he's already done that for me. Yeah. Um, so to to try to break that down at that point, being a 19 year old, um, just wasn't necessarily working for me. Um, I was never a disrespectful kid. I wasn't raised that way. Um, but I knew uh, when I was being unfairly treated. And so in some instances, when 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 things you know just got a bit too much. Um, it was hard to hold my tongue, mm -hmm. um, and like I say, not hold my tongue, and like I was wasn't cussing my coach out or nothing like that. But you know, I would have a question. You know, if you're going to treat me, there's one practice in particular I remember, um, and I played five positions in, in junior college because I was, you know, just last year I was point guard mm -hmm. my whole life, right. and you know now I'm tall, so um, I had the freedom to to play those five positions and push the ball and do those things, 
and I remember we were um, uh, in practice one day, and we were scrimmaging. Now this is, you know, we were not each other every day, yeah. um, which this is the fun part of, of practice. Well, our two guard never had to come in defensive rebound. We just, you know, mm. our two guard took off to the corner. Mm. Um, so he put, a, he put the two guard, and I, I took the ball out. He put the two guard, changed him, and put him at the one, but he kept forgetting and taking off down the court. I calmly said to Malcolm, Mal, you got to remember you're the one. Come back. It's my boy. Like, I, yeah. I didn't get into him or nothing. Well, next play down, coach stops, stops it, and he's like, you know what? I would have kicked your ass if I was, when I was your age. And I'm like, my teammates are walking past me, like, because at this point, they, they're like, Thomas, just... <laughs> <laughs> they walk past, past me like, don't say nothing, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. They say, no, I'm about to get kicked out of practice. And I'm like, and my response was, you don't look that old to me, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to catch the man. Get out, Thomas. So, you know, um, so feeling that, you know, um, I felt like things were uh, more personal and not about basketball. Yeah. Um, and... I went on to different colleges and experienced the same type of things. Mm. Um, but for me, I just looked at them as, um, I looked at them as obstacles. Um, you know, I faced the same type of obstacles in high school. I went on to college to face the same type of obstacles, but I was determined to um, not let that stop me. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, I, I wasn't going to let anybody stop me from doing that. So, always a uh, conflict is two-sided, right? You know this now that you're in marriage, right? There's always two sides to mm -hmm. a story. So, let's talk about the other side. I always think when somebody goes through a uh, uh, same obstacle over and over and over, did you handle it differently as you seen it at the next level when you came up to a coach that, you know, would challenge you in that way? You know that maybe took it too personal. Did you see it as something that you can manage in yourself or something that you needed to, you know, learn or grow from? Um, I tried to do more of communicating with the coaches, um, try to, trying to get them to see me for who I was, not from where I come from. Mm. I, I think a lot of the slack came from where, you know, Los Angeles and, you know, everybody thinks Los Angeles is all, you know, sunshine and, and women. Right, right, right. <laughs> the, know, the Hollywood the ho side. The Hollywood sign of everything. So I, I think that um, can sometimes, you know, give a person a different type of perception from you, um, not understanding that where you are right now, you've struggled to get there. Yep. You know? Yeah. So um, my, my approach was just trying to be, just, just trying to communicate. And as I got older, I learned that, um, you know, college coaches kind of treat you a certain way because their job's on the line. And, um, you know, some coaches um, are able to see past that job and see you as an individual. And some have a problem, you know, have struggle with doing that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that's what you really have to look at, in my opinion, when you're going to um, play for these different colleges. Yeah. Um, it's more about um, what they show you than what they're telling you. Because, yeah. you know, they'll sell you the moon. <laughs> And, you know, for example, when I end up going to, um, I chose this uh, Division II school, Washington Baptist in Arkansas. And at that point, I wanted to play 
one position. I wanted to focus on playing one position, so I wanted to play the three. And um, so when I was, you know, I went on this visit, and you know, one mistake I did make was not going on all my visits. Mm. You know, I'm like, I'm about to, you know, they'll find you anywhere, right? So, um, you know, I spoke with the coach and um, just had, you know, a good conversation with him and told him, you know, you know, I'm a three. This is the position I want to play. You know, and he told me everything I wanted to hear, everything. So okay, I like the, you know, that's why I joined frat. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they were big on my recruiting visit, and I loved them. I really enjoyed that. So, you know, they played a big part of me choosing mm -hmm. to go there. And first day, official practice, Midnight Madness. And um, we had a, my teammate, Corey Barber, may he rest in peace. Um, he's a four. He's a legit four. Okay. And so when you separate the teams, he's like, Thomas, you're at the four. Corey, you're at the three. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, He's just messing. He's got to be just messing with me. And Corey looks at me and he said, he's like, T, like, I'm a four. You played a three. Not, not my doing. I That's said nothing. Did. That's what he said. So I'm like, all right. First play. He sees me at the three. Timeout. Cusses me out. Literally just cusses me out. And I was like, oh, man. Dang. I'm back in the fire. <laughs> Back in the fire. <laughs> what is that? That I think there's two things to it, right? That one coach wants to get talent, right? Mm -hmm. They want to just gain as much talent, tell you what you want to hear. Um, some of those promises promises are real. Some of them are just empty promises. And maybe the idea was, hey, they're going to get somebody who could play the four, so they could push you to the three. Whatever it could be, some type of excuse. Mm -hmm. But also, there's this pride factor that you see in a lot of college coaches, especially on the lower level, I believe. Um, and this is not all of them. This mm -hmm. is with experiences that I've heard, experiences that I've had myself, is that they do, I think, I want to say this the right way, but I'm being very transparent about it, is that I think at junior college and lower level colleges, they get a certain level of kid. This is more back in the day than it is now, but it could happen today, is that they get a certain type of kid from a certain neighborhood mm -hmm. that needs certain uh, securities around them because mm -hmm. they grew up in a vulnerable or insecure environment. And so they coach focused and based around that. And so if you have a two-parent household and you have some moral standards, values that allow you to kind of be your own person, mm -hmm. they don't know how to coach that yes. because they're so used to coaching this person who, hey, I'm a father figure to this person now. Mm -hmm. Like, like, nah, bro, you ain't my daddy. Yeah. It's like, you're a coach. I respect you and I honor that and you're a part of my journey. And I think they take offense to this guy doesn't need me. And they're in this power struggle of being this head coach to this sport. Mm -hmm. And um, especially when sometimes they don't look like you. <laughs> right, <laughs> they 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 have that this dominance mm -hmm. that they want to put over you, and so I think like what you're saying is important for them to know. For when you're getting recruited, I tell them all the time: go ask the kids what their experience is like. Don't let the coach let the coach tell you what he wants to. Kids, go ask the kids: hey, what's your experience like? Mm -hmm. Is he a transactional coach or a relational coach? That's mm -hmm. the difference in what we're talking about. Transactional is like, hey, you you get buckets, you play. Yeah. If not, you know, that type of thing. When don't ask the starters. Yeah, because they get all the... Exactly. Ask don't the dude ask at the, the bench. Ask the dude who just transferred out. Hey, why'd you leave? Because mm -hmm. you can see that. That's all on the internet now. <laughs> and parents, 
talk to the kids' parents. Ask for those, hey, hey do you have so-and-so's family number? I just want to hear what their experience is like. Because the parents are going to know and they're going to see. And that relational part of a, a coach getting to know a kid and to really develop them as an individual. Right. Now, I'm more, if you're going to invest into me as an individual, I'm okay not getting playing time. Because I see you still trying to push me mm -hmm. and make me, you know, that my assistant coaches were always like that in junior college. We're like, oh, we're invested into Todd. Like, hey, do this, help you out. My head coach was just like, yo, your job is to set screens and play defense. Straight up. And he was like, hey, and we're cool now. And he was like, he came in the beginning of my sophomore year. Hey, so college, what are you looking at? Well, man, I'm hoping for a Division One opportunity mm -hmm. coming here. Um, you know, at the Lee's Division Two. Mm -hmm. He's like, ah, Todd, I see you more of a D3 and AI guy. And I'm like, so I got here and got worse? Like, I was getting recruited by Division Two before I got here. Why all of a sudden am I a lower level? Well, Todd, are you putting in extra work? Me? <laughs> Do I put in there? I said, Go ask all my teammates who comes in and rebounds and mm -hmm. shoots with them every time they give, give a call. Mm -hmm. Go see who's in the weight room more than anybody. I said, I'm your most coachable kid. I win every cardio drill. What are we talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm the hardest worker, one of the hardest workers you got. He knows that. But man, I don't think he did. Or he, he was blind to it, but I think it was part of, he was literally almost everyone else on the team who got playing time came from a different situation. And this was their way out of that situation mm -hmm. was playing basketball. And so they, you know, the, there was things I didn't understand. I definitely matured after leaving there and understanding the whole game. But it was still like, man, I was still good enough. All you have to do is put a little confidence in me. Let me rock out a little mm -hmm. bit and I could have, you know, done something with it. Yeah. I'm the one who went the furthest probably with basketball of all them dudes in junior college. Mm -hmm. still, I say, still connected to the game this close and it pays for my life when mm -hmm. I do a hoop. And it was just like, man, why don't you see this? Why don't you see this in me? But I never want to give power to the person who's trying to take it away from mm -hmm. me. And so, hey, that's on me. I'm going to just make sure the next kid knows. Yeah. But what, what I can say about all that is um, it made me, um, it made me tougher. It yeah. made me, um, you know, it, it just, um, it made me determined. It made me see that I can be who I say I'm going to be. Um, and, you know, someone else's perception of you um, should not, um, you know, should not deter you from doing the things that you feel that you want to be able to do. Yeah. So, you know, I can say all these things about my past coaches, and, um, but at the same time, they, they, they made me stronger by all the BS they, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that they, yeah. um, you know, kind of put me through. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, I'll never be a coach. <laughs> Look at you now. Like, literally. <laughs> well, no, you know what kind of coach you, you didn't want to be, right? And, you know, I, I coached right, be, right beside you, and man, you put confidence in all them kids, man. So the ones who shouldn't even have been touching the basketball, you even put confidence in them. And so you did the opposite of what your coaches did in those situations. Uh, moving forward, so did you stay at that school and play the four, or what happened after no, that? No, I, I left that school. Um, and... After that school, I had more, like had one year left, yep. and I was like, I don't want to play college basketball anymore. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm done with college coaches. So um, I just started working out and came back to LA. I hadn't been home in three years, um, and just start. You know, I was playing at the Drew, um, and just um, 
you know, working my way into going to some different workouts. So I, at that point, I thought my end would be going play overseas and working out to being able to do those things. And um, through that process, um, prayer, man, um, just I had some people being like, you know, you have to make a decision. Um, are you going to finish this year of college? Um, or are you going to, you know, pursue this? Because if you pursue this, then you lose that, you're going to lose that year of um, eligibility. And I just, I prayed about it, man. And um, um, I would always go back to, to Minneapolis to see some of my friends and my and my teammates and um, happen to be hanging out with my teammates and a assistant coach at uh, Concordia University. And they had just, um, they were spending their last year of um, um, moving into Division II. So they were in a probationary period, um, and it's, it, it looked like a good fit for me. I was familiar with, with Minnesota, and um, it was important for me to complete college because um, I know once I, if I left, once I leave, the chances of me um, coming back may be slim because part of my motivation of, you know, getting my coursework and my, my stuff done was basketball. Right. So I wanted to keep that mm-hmm. motivation rather than, I'm working this regular job and trying to go to school. Like, right. you know, that's probably be a little bit tougher. So, and I'm going back to Concordia and um, going through the same thing. Oh, again. Going through something similar again, but <laughs> in this situation, um, um, the coach had been there. This was his fourth year, first year of being eligible in the in the tournament um, or in uh, NCAA Division II, um, and I think he started feeling pressure of. Um, we wasn't winning, mm-hmm. um, so he created uh, a storm and uh, put it on me and suspended me for a couple of games after I just had two great games. Um, so that was another piece of adversity that I had to work through, but instead of um, getting angry, being upset, I just I just start killing him with, with kindness. Like, Every day he see me, I walk past his office. I be like, "Hey, coach, I come and tell him whatever I need to do to get my starting spot back." I mean, I'm getting double teamed, Todd. I'm the only one on the team getting double teamed every Bucket, touch. <laughs> every touch, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not starting. Like that's, right. that's unheard of. Other team is like, "Man, you all over our scouting report. How are you coming off the? You know, all of a sudden you're coming off the bench last eight games of my last season." Um, what was the suspension for? He said my teammates don't like me. Oh, like you didn't even do anything. No, his his reasoning was my teammates don't like me, and so when I when I come into the the cafeteria to eat and all my teammates are sitting together, I'm like, and I had to, I had red shirt. I had went there at red shirt, so I was there two years. So I red shirted to just get prepared right. and be ready and make sure I was you know up to, on my classes and stuff. And I played the second year, so everyone knew me. I was a little older than um, mm-hmm. my teammates, so. I'm the one who they came to for advice. Right. I'm the one who stuck up for them. And I was also the one for him being the liaison to go and talk to the to, to the teammates and I was a captain. So you just told the captain that his teammates that was that was the that was the reasoning for it. Um so that, that part hurt my feelings. I could deal with the other part, but the part you telling me my teammates don't like me, that part hurt my feelings. So I remember I was just, you know, I seen them in the cafeteria, I'm, I go sit somewhere else. And they literally got up and came and sat, like, what happened? Like, what's wrong? <laughs> they wanted to know what happened. Like, why are you <laughs> Well, he, first he told me I was off the team and that he would re- reevaluate 
Um, and there was no when they came back there was from no the game. moment that made that is crazy. No, I, I when I went into his office, he wanted to meet with me. I was thinking that he needed me to talk to one of my teammates. And I had a moment sitting there, Todd. I'm not gonna lie. When he said that, like, I had like a, <laughs> like, I picked the chair up and I threw it out the window. <laughs> yeah. And with my eyes back, I was still sitting in the same place. Yeah, that uh, that that's so Raven moment. Like, the, the future. Yeah, like, yeah the future. <laughs> I was holding. I was grasping the bottom of my seat. Like, just sit down, sit down. And Ooh, um, man. so that was tough. But what he did, what he did get for me, and what he saw for me was um, I just I just stayed respectful yeah. and um, every time he um, would see me, he saw me every day in the gym, three times a day, mm. every day, because in our, in our arenas, the sports offices were up top. So every time he walked past, I was in the gym. I literally had people who were working um, there who would call me and be like, we left the back door open for you. That's how much I was in the gym. And so I remember during the spring, he came he walked down and he gave me um, a number to an agent and that agent ended up getting me my, my first job. So I think, Dang, he, I think that's he crazy, just, I think man. That was just you kill your away. enemies with kindness and he was trying to take something away from you, but he saw your work, your, your ethic prayer, prayer. And that's the person who opened the door for an opportunity for you to make money playing basketball. Yeah. That's so dope. So where'd you end up your first year? Switzerland. Oh man, you started off nice. <laughs> kind of I nice. Did. Huh? I did, but man, being that that first night was hard. Yeah. Oh my God, I had a moment. I had to get back in. You know, <laughs> I had a moment because it was like I, you know, I found out. Um, me and my friends were going out to a club. We were going to party, and my agent calls me right before I'm walking in. So it's probably like midnight. Hmm. He's like, I got a got a contract for you in in, in Switzerland. You know, overseas can you get a call? Yeah, you right leave. here, and, you know, you don't have no. I don't. I don't have the opportunity to go and, and think about it. It's my first job. I gotta. I gotta go. Yeah. So I left the next day. Dang. The very next day. So it literally felt like I, I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes and I was in this. I, when I first got there, they had me in a hotel room, and I'm used to seeing big room hotels rooms, but this was a small. Like this. Like this. <laughs> Maybe a little bit bigger. But like this, and so um, my first time just being gone away, that far away, not knowing anybody, not knowing the language. Yeah. I can't watch TV. And so, you know, you get that jet lag. So I'm sleeping, I fall asleep, and I get to a point where I can't sleep anymore. Mm. So I wake, I, you know, I wake up and I'm, I'm like, walls are starting to like come in yeah, on me, man. And I'm like, I'm getting a serious anxiety attack right now. And I open up the drawer next to me, and there was a Bible in there. Mm. And I pulled the Bible out. And, uh, in English? In English. Mm. The Bible was in English. And um, probably, I, I want to say the first place I turned, um, calm me down. I have that, I don't have that scripture in my head right now, but I have it written down. Mm -hmm. um, and it brought me back to, like, yo. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You are very blessed to be in this situation. And this is what you asked for. Yeah. This is what you've been working for. This is what, um, you know, all the, the obstacles and the different things that you've had to get through, and now you're here. So, shut up. <laughs> shut up and hoop. <laughs> shut up and hoop and go back to sleep. And from that moment forward, um, I never had any, any issues with being gone. No doubt. So. No doubt. And then, so how long, 
Did you go to a different team every year you played overseas, or what was that journey like? I went to a different team um, every year because I was trying to get back here to play. Got it. Um, so, um, I mean, in all honesty, if I had it over again, I would have um, I would have went back to some of those countries that I that I that I left. List what all countries did you play in? Um, I played in Switzerland, uh, Portugal, China, Belarus, uh, Germany. Um, am I missing anywhere? That's it. All right. So, what was your favorite place to play in? My favorite place to play or my favorite place to be? My mm, favorite place. Let's say, sorry, let's go basketball first. We can talk about that too. What was your favorite place to hoop in for basketball um, purposes? I enjoy Portugal. Okay. I enjoy Por Portugal. Um, I was there for a good amount of time and then I got hurt. I um, almost like, I was like centimeters away from um, cutting my tendon where my hand would have been like this forever. Hooping? After hooping. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I had a little moment. Uh, it was an accident. Oh, okay. But okay. I was still, um, I just went to, we was playing a, a rival um, game, and fans were really hostile, and we lost at the last the last buzzer. And I was also dealing with the death of my grandmother. Gotcha. So my emotions were all over. Were, were all over. So I just remember thinking before we walked in the locker room, like, I don't know what's going to calm me down. Mm. And so the door is, my teammates are walking in and the door swings back. And I just want to hit the door back, pop the door back open. Well, I didn't know that there was a glass. So, you know, hand went through the glass, you know, surprise. So your first instinct is to do what? Pull back. Pull, pull your hand back. And yeah, I'm walking in the locker room, leaking, but mm. still can't even... Um, this still isn't. You don't feel just, it. No, I just still can't like even like calm me down because I'm, I'm dealing with death, mm -hmm. and that wasn't so bad. I don't even think it was that. It was the fact that you know I lost somebody, very dear to me, and yeah. I lost them while I was overseas. Right. Mm. So That's tough. I remember my teammate, and I had grabbed a towel and I put it over so no one saw it. And I'm walking back, and my my teammate Kim Kim Adams, shout out to Kim. Um, he's like, he's like, T, let me see it, let me see it. And I showed it to him, and, and then I walked back the other way, and when I turned around, he was in the mirror like this. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, hey, I promise I'll you, never forget that. <laughs> I, t I tell kids all the time, so uh, my senior year in high school, in a game, bad foul called, and you know, the pads are on the wall, I just, boom. Socked the wall, broke my hand. I played with my hand swollen the rest of that game. Mm -hmm. And I tell kids all the time, you see with uh, Jaden McDaniels this year, same thing, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Hits something because he's upset, breaks his hand. I, yeah. I tell them when they're in workouts and stuff, they always hitting that wall. So mm -hmm. Stop reacting. Yes. Stop getting your anger out that way. Do it on the court in a positive, productive mm -hmm. way, man, because you hurt yourself. Look. You You really have to, you know. Control your emotions, and like yeah. I said, there was a moment when I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna calm down. Yeah, um, and you know that didn't calm me down, but um, definitely was so blessed that I didn't. You know, I, I could have been done. You know, yeah, just crazy. you know, at the blink of an eye of something that was a you know an accident. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like I was gonna go in the locker room and start throwing things around. I wasn't. It was like I was gonna hit the door back open, 
which was just a reaction because it was right. coming back at me. Instead of pushing it up, I was hit the door. But, you know, that's how quickly things can, you know, escalate when you're not in control uh, of your emotions. Yeah. Um, so that definitely taught me, probably taught me for something that was kind of happened bigger to be able to control my emotions. So. Right. What is, um, I right, say, so your favorite place to be? Um, I enjoyed Switzerland. Yeah. I enjoyed Switzerland. I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the people there. I enjoyed my teammates. Um, I enjoyed um, just the social aspect of being there. And, you know, Switzerland is kind of like a, it's like a melting pot, kind of like Los Angeles. You yeah. Know? So like very just, little crime. Yeah. Very high academics. Like there's no homeless. Yeah. It's like in Switzerland. Yeah. Like they, you know. Yeah, I've been reading about it. I like their academic system, how they mm -hmm. have a set of people for the youth. So that makes sense. That's somewhere I want to visit and somewhere I've considered. I'm like, man, if I ever got to get out the U.S. and go coke somewhere, probably going to Switzerland. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm going to try to go make it work out there. Beautiful place. Yeah. That's no, dope. All right. So transitioning from your overseas career to coaching, right? So um, your first coaching job was at Alamany, but you were still in between uh being overseas um yeah i was i was still in between figuring out if um as i was gonna continue to play or not i was having some issues with my hip you know fast yeah. forwarding i have had hip replacement at 37 yeah. um, but i was having some issues with my hip so i was i was kind of just kind of in limbo to um, knowing if i'm going to go back overseas and play um, i still have my name in the hat mm -hmm. um, but um, i hadn't picked up a contract yet um, by the time school started um, so a friend, a friend um, that I was uh, training, I was training their kids, and they're, they're like, you should, you know, you, you should go, and um, there's an opening for an assistant coach mm -hmm. at Alamany. And um, I looked into it, uh, met with Trey, um, and Trey is, uh, Trey is a great guy. Um, yeah. I attribute a lot. I mean, I, I got uh, baptized, um, you know, because of him and seeing how he was moving and how um, how his walk of faith was, although you know I was I've always been moving faithfully, uh, but I've never been baptized. Mm. Um, so that kind of um, that experience alone w was great. And right after I got baptized, I got a call to leave. Mm. Like literally right after. Um, what was that last job? A couple of days. So that that last job was in Belarus in Minsk. Okay, gotcha. um, like Russia um, area out there. And um, so I, I coached with Trey for about two months before I left. And, um, but what that gave me was an insight of um, what my next career could be. Yeah. Um, it's, I've always enjoyed uh, working with kids. Um, up to that point, I was already um, doing training. I had a club team that I was doing with kids. And um, so I knew that that was something that once I got there, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, this is this is something I definitely want to pursue when I'm done. Um, so I went, finished my last season. Um, was uh, was thinking about playing one more one more year. Um, I was going to go to Japan, um, but last minute that contract fell through, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm I want to go ahead and move forward with um, with what I'm doing. And um, that season I started as the JV coach at uh, got a call out of the blue about JV coach at Campbell Hall yeah. and um, that kind of just springboarded me into um, teaching um, and uh, you know, being a full-time coach.
Awesome. So you were coach, JV coach at Kemba Hall for one year, and then uh, became two the varsity, years. two years, and then became the varsity coach over there. Um, I got it. <laughs> I was the coach for two years, and then I was doing like personal training and stuff over in Santa Monica at, at uh, Memorial. Okay. Um, and a guy I know, his name's Lucky. He had the, um, he had just became an athletic director over at New Roads. Gotcha. And so he would see me in there every day. I've known Lucky. We've we've known each other, and he was like, um, "Man, I just got this job over here. I don't know if I'm necessarily seeing eye to eye with the head coach there. Mind you, I hadn't I hadn't been a head varsity coach yet, um, but um, I would love to get you in some, you know, type of capacity. I know you're doing well and doing your thing over where you are at Campbell Hall, so maybe we can work something out where you can do both. And you know, I I love when people do what they what they say they're gonna do, right? So first off, he got me a P job um, at the school, mm-hmm. um, which was great and and needed during that time. Um, and then um, probably in, in December, he's waiting at my class, and I would walk the same way on campus every day. I'm like, why is he? <laughs> he's like, I'm walking down <laughs> the students. He's he waiting for me to come. He walks. We go to walk to the park with the class. Um, so he walks to class with me, and he had let his varsity coach go. And he's basically spending his time trying to convince me to take that job. Well, I felt, I've always felt a certain connection with the kids at Camel Hall. And so I, you know, usually when you get an opportunity to move up, there's no thought about it. Well, um, it was bugging me. Like, yeah, this is December. Like, it's middle of the season, pretty much. I think the oh, school wow. was, they were, they were like two and seven. New Roads? New Roads was, was wow. two and seven. And so, you know, prayer, prayed about it. And God was like, you know, you can't turn down a promotion. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you have to keep moving forward, even though you enjoy and like it here. And I just thought to myself, and I just sat down, I looked at the calendars, and I mapped out. Um, me being able to stay at Campbell Hall and coach the JV and still be able to coach, you know, coach there. And I told Campbell Hall they didn't have to pay me. Oh, wow. Um, so I would make their practice two or three times a week, design a practice for the assistant um, who was there with me. And um, I think I missed maybe two two games. And um, had a really successful season at, at New Roads. Um, it didn't, it ended in a brawl. <laughs> really? It this is before I was into the hoop stuff. It's like right before you came we connected. That, yeah. yeah, you came right that season, my first season mm-hmm. at Campbell Hall, but we were playing against uh, Marcus Le- Marcus Levet, remember Marcus oh, yeah. Levet, um, over at Providence. Mm-hmm. And um, we we're kind of just, you know, I have like some kids who just needed attention, you know. <laughs> That's um, a very nice way of saying it. You know, they needed some <laughs> attention. And once they got the attention from me, like if my assistant was doing coach, was coaching, like they wouldn't even listen to them. Dang. So it was like they were being let down in some yeah. type type of way. But the way that they just changed, um, and I, it's, I feel like it was like a Bad News Bears kind of yeah. um, situation. I remember after a game, a parent literally ran across the court and there was a bench in front of me. She stepped on the bench and jumped on me. She was like, please don't leave us. 
And I was like, Am I? like a movie. At, for at this point, it's like I'm not even thinking about. It. I'm like, I'm gonna be here full time next right, year. I'm right. not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna be doing both, both of them. But um, just to see um, how much they grew and how much confidence grew in them just made me feel so purposeful. Yeah. And we ended up um, um, tying for first in league. Wow. Um, and we get to the second round of the playoffs, and um, we are down by maybe like seven points, but we're on a run. We're coming back right now. And we get a steal when my kid goes up for a layup. They hard foul him against the wall. Mm. Next time I know that kid starts swinging on my kid, and like I say, they're not <laughs> they're not saints, man. They, uh, you know, both benches clear. Oh wow! And refs call the game. And so since to, since they YouTube? were up, I'm about to YouTube. This. It might be. I don't no, know. Man, that's never good Ernest has to film. Ernest has to film. Ernest was the coach. <laughs> Matter of fact, I want to ask Ernest if he still has that that's film. Crazy. But um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a, a successful season other than the way that that ended. Yeah. Um, and then that was my last year there. I got it after that. I got Campbell the head Hall coach job at Campbell Hall. And that's where we met. Or not, we met before that. So uh, me and Thomas are part of the same fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Um, and Y'all snatched you up, man. That's all you it was, Yo, it was crazy. So <laughs> we were playing each other and uh, playing with each other in the L.A. frat games and frat league. Mm -hmm. And, man, when... We were good, and then Thomas came on the team. We were really good. We didn't uh, we didn't lose when we played together. It was a fun time. Mm -hmm. um, even though he's taller, he was the one throwing me oops. It was a crazy time. And so at the time, I was the junior high coach for the seventh grade B team at Sierra Canyon. That was my first school job. Before that, I worked like through holiday camp and little clinics and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was just getting into the game, and I went to go. There's a war on the floor at Pierce College. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to watch. I hear a good game. It's Campbell Hall versus, I forgot who y'all playing with. Somebody good, though. We were playing Sierra King. Oh, Campbell Hall versus Sierra King. And that's why I was there. I was watching Sierra you King. You had your play. Sierra King and uh, Polo yeah, on and everything. That, that, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so I see T. I'm like, yo, what's up? He's like, what you doing? <laughs> he even say hello. <laughs> what you doing? Come coach with me. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Snatch that off right now. That little polo you got on. <laughs> yep, that was that was it. That was my first varsity job, associate head coach right away at Campbell Hall. And this is before I knew what the Valley basketball scene was like. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was walking into. All I knew is that I'm a hooper. Thomas is my guy, and um, we gonna we gonna do we gonna we gonna we gonna do this. And so. Uh, Campbell Hall, man, our first year was, was fun, man. It was fun. It was uh, Aaron Holliday's a sophomore, mm -hmm. Jordan Cohen's a freshman, Khalil Simplis, Collins Bell, um, some dudes on that team, man, that end up doing something with basketball. Yeah. Um, and so... You had Nick, um, Nick Rustler. Nick Rustler. And, um, Ethan. Ryan um, Silverstein. Yeah, both, both for the Atlanta Hawks. They're in the office for Atlanta Hawks. Yep. And I just saw Ryan um, when we were doing these... Uh, Pro days. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. me and Ryan and we saw him in summer league, so yeah. um and he still talks about it. He's like, he used to lock Aaron up because nobody in practice could <laughs> coach me. It's like that was illegal, I guess. I wasn't supposed to be guarding nobody. Hey, somebody had to stop Aaron Holiday. At that point we were both practicing. And <laughs> right, we, were we both had to we had to. <laughs> but that was a, a fun time. So your your time at uh Campbell Hall, man, you you produced a lot of 
uh, Division One players, college players all together, and um, people who became pros. What was that experience like being ingrained in, you know, kind of the heart of basketball? Campbell has a rich history with the Holiday Brothers, and you had to, you know, kind of finish that with Aaron and then beyond that. So what was your experience like at Campbell Hall? And um, I had a great experience at Campbell Hall. Um, definitely enjoyed um, just kind of every moment of that. Um, was able to, you know, we had, a, we had a few players, but we had to, we really had to work to um, help the other players kind of um, catch up to yeah. an Aaron Holiday or I wouldn't say catch up to, but, you know, be of, be of value. For, mm -hmm. for, for basketball, for the basketball team, for us to be, have any type of success. But being able to, um, you know, see a kid, sophomore, um, that's just talented. Mm -hmm. And um, not just, you know, I always felt like um, Aaron didn't get, um, uh, I don't want to say fair shake, but um, I, I just felt like people's perception of him wasn't, um, wasn't accurate. No. Um, so just to see a kid like that, um, and you know, he inspired those other players. Um, you know, Jordan Cohen. Yeah. You know, um, him having to guard uh, Aaron every day in practice. You, know, you can't tell me that that didn't help. Didn't help him, and you know, he's doing well playing overseas right now. Um, but just to see the type of work ethic Aaron had, to see the type of attitude he had, he just wanted to win. That's it. And um, I remember one one practice. Um, I think it was his eleventh grade year. And you know, Aaron sophomore. Aaron didn't talk much. Didn't. You know, he didn't talk much. And I would have a had a member having a meeting with Aaron one time. I'm like, who do you think should be the leader of the team? And he's like, you know, Aaron's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, you think it's probably the the best player should be the leader? He was like, yeah. It's funny because he wasn't, you know. He wasn't looking at himself. I mean, I know he knows he was the best player on the team, mm -hmm. but that just wasn't his attitude towards, you know, yeah. um, towards what we're doing, which is great. You know, it, it makes the other players feel, you know, not feel inferior. You know what I mean? But to see him his junior year start to talk more, and um, I just remember one practice, uh, I was like, you know, because Aaron will get upset and then you can't stop him. Right. You know, you're getting a knee in the chest and, and yeah. all that. So They just go off. <laughs> um, I, I felt like we we needed the other players to, to step up. And the only reason, only way that they could step up is to, um, um, for Aaron to feed them more confidence. And feeding them more confidence is giving them the ball early. Yeah. Giving them the ball early in the game. And... Um, when they don't, when they mess up or drop a pass or whatever it is that um, don't get on them, um, let me get on them. Yep. You know, and so there's times where I, I'd be like, catch the ball, and then I'd be like, that's my fault, coach. <laughs> but I loved it because it helped them gain confidence. Like he's not mad at me. I missed a shot. He's not mad at me that I missed a pass that I probably should have caught. And so that makes them want to, you know, it makes your teammates want to do better. Yeah, you know, it makes them come in the gym and want to get up more shots because your best player is feeding you nothing but confidence and respect. Yeah, and um, just that one practice, I'm like, Aaron, you you can't. I was like, I don't want you to shoot. Hmm. I said, I want you to do everything. Get to the basket. Get to the front of the rim, but pass it. Hmm. Find the other person, and not everybody. You know, some players would take that like, come on, coach. That's literally what he did. 
Mm. Make his move, he'd get to the basket, turn out, find an open person. Did it all practice. Um, the next day, um, I think I'm talking to the assistant coach, and he comes up to me and taps me on the show. He's like, Coach, should I shoot the day or <laughs> Can I get buckets? Should I shoot the day or pass? And I was like, <laughs> and I had forgot all about it. Mm. And I was like, I was like, no, 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 no shooting. Pass. He's like, okay. Went off and did. And so from like from like that day forward, um, he just really started getting his his, his teammates involved. And um, that senior year came and um, he was just a real, you know, real leader and a lot of our, you know, our success came from him, um, you know, just being a leader. Yeah. And uh, trusting in his teammates. I remember one game against Viewpoint, he scores twenty six points in the fourth. He went into he was in a little foul trouble, but he was being patient the first three quarters with getting his teammates involved. You know, he's getting double teamed, he's getting whatever. And fourth quarter, 26. 26 in what, eight minutes? Do you know how it's like? <laughs> Kids score 20, 26 Man. points. And ask JJ, he remember, he hates that day. Go <laughs> <laughs> talk to JJ like that. Absolutely. No, that's, man. Um, and you could see it when he went to UCLA, those, that, that, team mindset that he had, you know, playing against, playing with other stars. But, man, you knew, I knew from the first day I seen him, he was a pro. There was no doubt in my mind the way he carried himself, the way he played the game. And you would see him play against his brothers and other pros while he was in high school during Mm -hmm. open runs and just be giving everybody buckets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was just like, that kid is a pro. Um, Now, after coaching multiple pro-level players, not all in the NBA, but pro-level players. What is it that you instill, do you think, with your system and your coaching, do you instill in them that gets them to that level? Um, you know, for, for Aaron and I would say like a Mike Meadows, um, who's now, he's now, he's now a Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, these guys were, Aaron was a scorer. Yeah. There, was, there was no doubt, you know, he was a scorer. Um, I don't even think, you know, he didn't even play, he played the two. Um, until I moved him over to the one. But I knew that these guys are point guards. They're, they're going to be point guards on the next level. So how can I help them um, uh, see the floor, um, play the pick and roll? You know, I love, I love mm-hmm. the pick and roll. Um, but how I could um, just help them and what they were going to be doing on the next level rather than playing the two the whole high school and mm-hmm. then having to learn how to play the one yeah. Um, once they get past. So I, I think that when it comes to that, you have to see when a kid has potential to go on to the next level, you have you as a coach need to think about what are they going to be, what are they going to play on the next level that's going to help them be successful. And then we need to start putting them like that in that position now. Um, so I think that's what, you know, that's what I, that, that's what I always look forward to in, in coaching kids who have the potential to move on to the next level. I need to put them in position to where, um, you know, what are they going to play next year? Yep, and how yeah. to make them perform what they're going to do. That's development. That's yeah. real development and letting them play through that. I think that's the biggest <laughs> opportunity Aaron had is <laughs> not only because he was, even at his worst, he was still the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. And so he got the opportunity to play through that. Yes. And you even allow kids who probably didn't deserve that to play through mistakes and that's something I learned from you it's like man he puts you breathed confidence into everybody um and made everybody think they deserve to be on the court which is awesome <laughs> and then there's other issues that come with that over time so all right so transition from Campbell Hall um a little time off 
very little time, right? And then transition over to Milk and Community. Very little time off. Um, I was, you know, I was thinking that, you know, um, I would take a little time off. You know, I had a couple deaths during, um, during my time at Campbell Hall, and I never took any, I never took any time off to kind of grieve. So I'm like, I need to kind of take some time to myself. And that didn't necessarily happen. <laughs> um, I went on, I, was, I still went on a, a few basketball interviews. And, um, you know, I was starting to, you know, I had, found my, I had found my life partner and got into the stage where I wanted to start having a family and get married and those things like that. So um, I needed to um, focus on family more than I was focusing on, on work. So that was a transition for me. So I needed to go somewhere that if I was going to coach this next season, I needed to go somewhere where um, I didn't feel a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I went on an interview for Milken. And just right away when I walked in, in there, it's like you, you just know sometimes, you know. And um, I, just, I just felt really good vibes when I went in there. And I, I felt wanted. I felt, mm -hmm. um, I felt comfortable. Um, and then, um, you know, I went on that interview and I left there and I was like, I could possibly, I could possibly do this. Yeah. Um, uh, and I went on a couple more, more interviews and I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, um, so it, it, I came back to, to the Milken situation and I met the kids and, um, you know, I would be with my travel team in a gym, like CSUN playing and parents from Milken would be like, are you Coach Blunt? Are you coming to Milken next year? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I haven't necessarily made that decision yet, but how do you know who I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um. I enjoyed the kids. I, I did. I did like a mock practice with them, and um, I just enjoyed um, the the respect and um, the type of kids that they were. Um, and at that time, that's what I needed to be. That's yeah. what I needed to be around. I you did. To, you done done pretty well there. Yeah, <laughs> done pretty well. I just so. need to be around a sense of um, you know. I love Camel Hall. I have no nothing bad to say about them, um, but you know, being in in the Jewish community. Um, Everything feels um, just family oriented, um, and I I enjoy that. You know, my you know I'm thinking about starting a family, and yeah. um, I was in had just gotten engaged at the time, and um, just being somewhere it taught me that just being somewhere where I can make an impact on kids, it doesn't matter where I am. Love that. So um, um, I enjoy being there. I know um, I get refs sometimes that'll. Ask me like, what are you still doing over here? <laughs> like, man, I, I enjoy. I enjoy. Hey, look at my yeah, smile, man. I'm happy, man. You, smile, you magic man. with the coaching now. That's yeah, it. Doing I'm, it with the smile, man. I'm you happy, man. I could definitely see the difference from, you know, that aspect of of this pressure, and, it, and I think it's because you have support. I think your administration supports you. I think your coworkers support you, mm -hmm. um, and the people you surround yourself with mm -hmm. support you all the way, yes. and it has nothing to do. And this is not indirectly saying anything about Campbell Hall, I want this to be clear, but it is also understanding that these bigger schools with bigger basketball histories have something with it. There's an expectation that's set upon whoever yes. gets that coaching job that you have to be successful quick, but mm -hmm. also successful in the way they want to see it or they've seen it before. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that if that's what the school mm -hmm. wants for their coach, but also 
your route of being successful at milking is the impact that you're having on those kids' lives and uh, what you're teaching them about just being consistent in their work. They they started working out, actually truly working out mm -hmm. when you were there. And and they have a rich history for basketball. Coach, before you was there for 30 years, right? Which I, which was a big plus for me. Right. Um, you know, Campbell Hall is four to six right. years, but they mm -hmm. kind of go, you know, go towards it. I don't know, just being an athlete and playing in Europe, there was all this moving around. Mm. I don't I don't coach college. I don't I don't want to do all this moving around. I would yeah. like to sit still, um, get to know the community that I'm in and have a place where those kids can always come back and still see me and keep in contact with me and um, just, you know, kinda of be proud of the basketball program that they play for. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. It's uh, kind of come full circle for you going through some um, bad experiences with coaches growing up and very unorthodox route to being a pro player and then doing it for so long and then coming back around to coaching and yeah. loving it, man. <laughs> loving it. So it's awesome. So we're going to go to the next part of our show. It's called My Rushmore. Okay, we're going to do Mount Rushmore of best defensive players of all time. NBA, because I don't know if you know some people who could lock up and they, you know, played a lot. So, top four defensive players of all time. Okay. Who you got? <clears throat> um, you know, my favorite is Sadell Three. Hmm. I mean, just picking pockets, man. I, I love Sadell. I mean, he's he guarding you full court, staying in front of you. Um, I'll go with Bruce Bowen. Hmm. We forget about Bruce Bowen sometimes. We forget about so that, Bruce Bowen. That man can lock up. Um, Akeem, Lajuan, for center, and um, I like Scotty Pippen on D, man. Yeah, got to. I put Scotty Pippen on there, for sure. I think I'm gonna. I, I see yours. You you pick specialists. It looks like specialists at their position and what they did. And so when I look at defense, I look like I look at the. Um, I guess the intimidation factor that comes with it too. So mm -hmm. my first one, GP, the glove, because mm -hmm. um, he'll talk mess about it, <laughs> and then he'll lock you up, and mm -hmm. then he'll get buckets on mm -hmm. you too. And I think he's just a balance, what like a point guard, what is what the defense is supposed to look like. And his whole brand was built around him being the glove, like mm -hmm. that's you know being able to pick pockets and all that. Yeah. And those shoes was dope. You know, you could zip your, zip your shoe up. No, so, GP, GP definitely. Definitely on there. Um, Scotty Pippen, for sure. I just think, yeah, his, um, I think his offense was slept on because his defense was so good. Because mm -hmm. he was often, he was almost the MVP when Jordan took his year off, man. Long. <laughs> yeah, can guard every position, you know, block, like everything. He put, gave people fits. Then, this is from me watching them old videos. Bill Russell, man. <laughs> Bill Russell grab it out of the air, man. His his defense was crazy too. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially for his time, he was just super dominant. Especially for his time. Especially super super dominant. This last one is tough because there's so many people that I'm thinking of. It's a little it's it's personal. It is. Like my choices were, were personal. 100%, you know? Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. Who had the impact on me? To make me the defender I am, because I'm 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 a hell of a defender. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Can't get buckets on me. And so um, I'm going to have to go. It's LeBron. 
It is LeBron. That's a surprise. I know, but it's his ability to chase down blocks. And when he actually puts You're taking LeBron over Mike? I'm taking LeBron over Mike. And Kobe on defense? Yeah, I am. That, you said personal. I didn't put them on mine. <clears throat> yeah, so right, right. And Mike was the other one. Mike, Kobe. Kobe's was an attitude. I don't know if he played defense. He just had the Mamba mentality. Uh, but no, he was awesome on defense. But I think LeBron's ability is chase down blocks. Like he made his, his, I think that's his signature move in my eyes. You know, he has his little dunk, but that's because he jumps high. I think that's his signature move. Mm-hmm. It's going to go get that ball out the glass. And um, I started doing it because I seen him do it. And, you know, I had bounced back in the day. So can't do that no more. <laughs> So you dunk another day, man. What are you talking nah, about? No, man. It's an old video, man. Don't it's look, an old video. Those camera tricks. Thank you, Karina. Like, <laughs> that was camera tricks right there. But no, I think um, his ability just overall, man, when he when he wants to do do it. And that's, you know, that's the argument is who plays defense consistently. But, man, I've seen him change the game with his defense. And so I'm going to have to go LeBron. I might have to change this later. But that was, that was a good one, man. That was a good little okay. rush more. Yeah. Um, and then for our where were you win, okay, moment in basketball history that uh, had a huge impact on you. Um, where were you and how did it impact you when Magic announced, you know, he had uh, HIV positive? Oh, man. Magic. I was in eighth grade and we were, I went to Palms Junior High. We would go up to uh, this donut shop and play arcade games. And um, one of the kids came up and was like, Magic has HIV. I'm like, I almost want to, I don't know, I want to fight him. Like, don't play like that. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you, what are you talking about? What kind of ugly joke. <laughs> like, like, what, like, what type of what? <laughs> you know, and, you know, not everyone, you know, HIV was like, you know, if I touch you, would right. you, you know, the, the would cooties, you get yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, so. It was a big statement to make, and I, I immediately left the, the donut shop and, uh, and went home. And uh, I remember sitting there uh, with my dad. My dad had picked me up, and I was watching on the news. And I cried, mm. you know, like, you know, and, and spent, from that past day, Magic's been in my prayers. Yeah. So, um, to, um, you know, at Campbell Hall, he was actually on the board of Campbell Hall, so... To come full circle and actually meet meet Magic uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, you know, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was tough. Basketball was tough for me after that. That's you know that's the person that I looked up to. That's the person who made you know helped make basketball a, a, a happy, just a happy place. Yeah, you know. And, um, so that was tough to see um, him not be able to. Um, continue on and uh, play on that type of level. I feel like we we missed out on a few more years of him being able to uh, you know, be the magic man. Yeah, I, I think, um, not to flip, so we talked about this before, and I was too young to remember that, or to, you know, that whole time, yes, you're older. You ain't got to tell my age, you're yeah. super old. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, I love to see is, you know, we don't know the actual everything but man cookie his wife and enduring that and them still being together mm-hmm. and 
building this empire that he's mm -hmm. built from it. Like we, we talk about it because it was a moment, but it's not a moment that we look negatively upon because what he, what he had to do to become HIV positive was being in these streets. Yeah. And um, for her to endure that and to, you know, stand behind her husband mm -hmm. in some real adversity. Yes. I think that, you know, today we try to run away from that adversity and that mm -hmm. controversy, especially in relationships, you know, the divorces or even the, the disloyalty Damn. in relationships. Um, but she stuck through. That love is that, real. That's real. And it Man. shows the commitment to a marriage, not to mm -hmm. a person that, that, that marriage stuff. So, no, I think that's a, thank you for sharing that and your experience with that. Sure. And um, shout out to Cookie, man. Man, yeah. shout What's out up? to Cookie. Yeah. <laughs> and what a blessing for her to be able to, um, you know, not have that. Right. Yeah. Um, man, I think protection. I, maybe she was, might have been pregnant at the time. I'm trying to think of watching the, mm. um, the little show that I watched that, um, the documentary on magic. Mm -hmm. um, but for her to be able to dodge that, uh, yeah. that bullet is... Uh, you know, yeah. it may have been a little different if, if yeah, right. you know, it's a, <laughs> That's like, it. wait a minute. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that, right? So the Magics went on to do some good things and yeah. um, just him being um, uh, an advocate and because uh, um, we, were, we were very, you know, dumb, dumb to it, you know. No one knew, really knew what that was about and there was a, a huge perception on that, to, so to come out to the whole world. Yeah, on Arsenio Hall uh, the next day. Like, yeah, that's um, <laughs> all that. Yeah. That's a strong person, man. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I'm glad he's still here with us. Man. Absolutely. Um, so this is the part of the show where we flip the script. I'm almost, I'm kind of nervous for your questions. Two questions you can ask me anything <laughs> in the world. Don't got to do a hoop. Two questions. You are the interviewer now. Uh, the first question, um, why did you stop coaching basketball? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's two reasons. One, um, I had my daughter, and we all know that basketball coaching takes your day. You're at practice for two hours, but you're really there for four because of before practice, after practice, dealing with that. Game days, you're going 3.30 till 9.30. And having my daughter, I knew I needed to be there, um, not only just to be present in her life and so she can, you know, see her dad, but also my wife and give her the support. And basketball seasons in California are from October to March. I don't care what you say. <laughs> They're not, you know, oh, it's only three months. No, no, no. You got to really prep and... You know, I was wearing multiple hats at Heritage. I was a strength and conditioning coach, the assistant coach, um, the mentor to the kids. I was, man, I was doing a lot. And so I had to make that balance. And so having my daughter gave me the perfect excuse along with, along with as I grew as a basketball coach, knowing that I wanted to be a head coach as well. And I knew that my opportunity could have come. I just, I wanted to do it at Heritage where Paul's done a great job. Like, you know, he's won, he's supposed to win his 200th game, has 21, 21 seasons. And he, you know, he's at home there. And so I knew I wouldn't get an opportunity there and fully support Paul and everything. 
but also as I grew as a coach and just seeing different coaching philosophies. It's the same reason with, with you. It's like, hey, you know, it was a, a, a time in my, you know, in my life where it's like, y'all, I can't coach anymore. I can't mm -hmm. do this. I was, Thomas will tell you the stories, man. I used to ride my bike to Campbell Hall. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't have a car. I would, I was working in, I was living in the it valley, take working a ride in, in Baldwin Hills. Yes, I would. No, you, no you couldn't fit my bike in your trunk. <laughs> that was the issue. Out of the truck. Yes, I could. Every time I offered you a ride, you'd be like, nah. nah but I, I took that as like, you know, that's just the type of person you are. You're like, I don't, no I got it. No handouts. I got it. I just had to work for that. And, um, but it was just a transition. And, you know, I, I respect every coach. And I respect Paul. Me and Paul built something special. At Heritage, I was there when he started. My philosophy started changing about culture and environment and different things. And I knew if I were there that I'm reflecting that culture and environment that I don't necessarily believe in all the way, you know. And so um, I had to separate myself from that. And with CORE, the program of CORE getting better and better and growing, I should say. I wanted to say it was better. It was just developing and growing. I wanted to separate myself from high school basketball all the way as well. It was threefold because I was in this position where all these top eighth graders were going to all these different high schools, and I knew that Heritage wasn't a fit for them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was in a, I couldn't be in that position where I'm like, you know, they want to come to Heritage because I'm a coach there, but I'm not really the head coach. And also, they're actually a better fit over at Campbell Hall. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? No, I'm a put the kid in the best position possible. I'm always been about that. And so it was just a multi multiple things. And so being able to be neutral, being neutral. I'm Switzerland now and <laughs> I get to support everybody. I support everybody's high school program. I support heritage. I support core. I can support the kids and their journeys. So they don't end up going through experiences that we had to experience. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, I'm coming back to it though. One day kids are getting older when little Toby can, uh, go be in the gym during practice mm -hmm. and, you know, manage himself properly. I'll probably do it. I'm keeping my daughter away from it because I ain't about to be no uh, no no basketball dad to my daughter. So she need to go play soccer or something. Man, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's gonna work for me. I know she already she already hooping. She, she's asking to go play basketball. Your bad. Yeah, my bad. It <laughs> it's is. all good though. Now you get to give her the greatest gift that you have though. You know, besides you know the the love and all that, man. Who else better to teach her than you? So yeah, that's sure. also a blessing. So. What what is um what is your motive? What's what's the big thing that's motivating you? Because you you do a lot of stuff for the kids, um, but what is it that keeps you motivated to keep pushing and developing new areas and new things and um, new ways to to help kids? Uh, I just like I, I want to see everybody at the best version of the, of themselves. Um, think it's rooted in my mom like she's like that and so she's always um, helped people who needed help like no matter their situation no matter how much heartache it brought her she would help people and so I grew up around that and I saw the benefits like the blessings that my mom has because of it um, and so I love I, I hate when people are in bad situations and I just want to help pull them out to my detriment sometimes but it's something that's you know passed down from my mom that God has given me that I want people to want to see them doing better but I also have this thing it's like I don't want to keep doing the same thing I don't want to be stuck in the same place and I think that came from 
probably living in Kansas and feeling like I was stuck in the mud for a little bit, doing the same thing over and over and getting out of there. And so now I gotta, I gotta go. Like there's so many opportunities to grab and so many people to help that I just wanna keep helping them. I can't stop. Well, I wanna say this, um, just your, your well-roundedness of not just helping kids, but, um, you know, doing a marriage counseling uh, before I got married. Do you know how helpful? Oh, yeah, you know I know how helpful, helpful I, yeah. You know how helpful that was? <laughs> yeah, no, um, that was just that was coming awesome. from someone who had been a bachelor for so long and living a certain way to getting close to being married and starting to be like, oh, my God, am I? I got to turn myself in in two, <laughs> <laughs> two months. Um, but just being able to um, have someone that you trust and that you know has your best interests um, in mind um, and, you know, to also marry us at the same time. So you're not just helping kids, man. you like, you like the LeBron James of this stuff, man. you all <laughs> thank around. You, man. No, I, um, thank you for allowing me to be a part of that. Actually, I married him on my birthday. Yeah, dope, dope wedding, beautiful thing. Shout out Hillary. Um, and no, man, I, I, that's what it is. It's everybody, and that's what that's where the detriment comes from. Helping the kids is what I like. I've been able to put it in my job, right? Mm -hmm. I get to do that, and it's the other people that stretch me, and it, it makes it a. I want to say a detriment, but it, it does. It stretches me, but I can't. I, I want people to be happy, especially when it comes to marriage, man. I think I think marriage is underrated, and people put all these bad stigmas I on agree. what marriage truly is. But when you get to it and you understand that marriage is, first off, is a commitment that you're making to God, not another human, that you're going to try to be one with this person. But it's you constantly working on yourself to it, know who you are and also accept the person that you're marrying mm -hmm. for who they are. And then coming together and taking everything that you disagree about and just communicating. <laughs> like, that's beautiful, man. That's yeah. beautiful when you can really break those walls down and um that's a team man. become one yeah that's a true team that's and so team. it gives you the building blocks to anything you want to do in life a business partnership a team that you're coaching anything you want to do is rooted in man how you love your wife i i applaud and look up to people who stay married especially through the adversity especially through the things that were tough because the commitment level and the things you got to build in yourself to endure marriage it ain't easy, y'all. I'm not saying marriage is easy, but it is worth it and fun mm -hmm. if you are, have the right mindset. It's about not that hard. It really isn't. It's not hard for me either. It's not hard for me. I don't <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard. It's, it's work, though. Let me say that. It's I, work. I thought it, cause I thought it was going to be a lot harder than what it is, but you just got to, you know, you, you got to listen to yourself and, and, and get with somebody, one that, um, you know, you can still be um, the being that you are. Yeah. Um, and the being that you are can always improve, right? But one thing you can't change is the being of who you are. So mm -hmm. being able to be you yeah. is is one of the, you know, um, that's kind of like, for me, I feel like that's like the base. Welcome to Elevate Your Marriage featuring Todd Wilson and Thomas Blunt. Here for all marriage advice <laughs> moving forward, which I want to do. Oh, man. Let us know. <laughs> man, appreciate you coming on the show, my brother. Of course. Always a pleasure, thank man. Thank you for having me, yes, for Absolutely. Sure. For sure. We thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace.